glad to know the Lord and the free pardon of sin. If you'll stand with us tonight, uh, the book of Obadiah, and we'll read these last few verses and then preach a few moments tonight, the book of Obadiah. And uh, I, this morning was, uh, was a blistering, and of course, I, you know, when you preach, you're preaching to yourself, so... Uh, I got blistered as much as anybody did in that, but uh, tonight, Lord willing, should be a blessing. And so uh, it can't all be sharing, amen? Uh, you got to let some wool grow every now and then. I don't know about y'all, but I mean, uh, you know, I don't mind getting blistered, but I do like to be blessed also. And so, but it takes all of it, doesn't it, amen? And the Word of God gives us a good balance. Book of Obadiah and verse number 17, the Bible says, But upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance, and there shall be a holiness, and the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions, and the house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame, and the house of Esau for stubble, and they shall kindle in them and devour them, and there shall not be any remaining of the house of Esau, for the Lord hath spoken it. And they of the south shall possess the mount of Esau, and they of the plain of the Philistines, and they shall possess the fields of Ephraim, and the fields of Samaria, and Benjamin shall possess Gilead. And the captivity of this host of the children of Israel shall possess that of the Canaanites, even unto Zarephath. And the captivity of Jerusalem, which is in Sepharad, shall possess the cities of the south. And the Savior shall come up on Mount Zion to judge the Mount of Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer, then you can be seated. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for the good singing tonight. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for what you did in the prayer room. And Lord, I pray that you'll add your blessings to the reading of thy word. God, speak to our hearts and help us tonight. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to preach out of verse number 17 on this subject tonight, on the fulfillment of a faithful promise. The fulfillment of a faithful promise. And you know the story here as we mentioned this morning uh, that the first 16 verses has to do with with, uh, the house of Esau or the the Edomites and the last verses that we have read tonight has to do with the house of Israel or the house of Jacob, should we say, and the nation of Israel. And what God is doing in these verses here is in the first 16 verses of this book here, the house of Edom has been reduced by God. But in these last few verses that we have read tonight, the house of Jacob will be uh, restored by God. So on one hand, God is reducing this nation that thought they were so great and that was lifted up in pride. But on the other hand, God is restoring these people that was afflicted and that has been suffering here. And when you think about this tonight, it's in these verses of Scripture that God gives them a promise. God is faithful to keep His promise. Can I get an amen right there? And God is going to not only be faithful, but God is going to fulfill every promise that he has ever made uh, to every one of us tonight. Whether you be a Jew or whether you be a Gentile, there are promises to the Jews and there are promises to the Gentile, but God is going to keep every promise because the Bible says faithful is he that has promised. Amen. And so in this passage of scripture tonight, in these verses 17 down to verse number 21, Obadiah is looking beyond uh, where he is at and he's looking into the millennial reign knowing that there's coming a time when Messiah is gonna come and he's gonna rule this earth with a rod of iron and we believe that also. And when he comes, thank God, he will fulfill every promise that's ever been made to the nation of Israel and he will fulfill every promise that he's ever made to the church, amen? And thankful, I'm glad 
glad tonight that God is a faithful God and he will fulfill his faithful promise. And what we see in verse number 17 here is that he promises to rescue them in their land. As he said, but upon Mount Zion there shall be deliverance. He promises them also, not only will he rescue them in this land, but he promises them that they're gonna, my friend, that they're gonna repossess their land. As he said, and there shall be holiness and the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. Amen. So God promises them, I'm going to rescue you in this land. He said, I promise that you're going to repossess this land, that the the land is going back to the Jew. And we know that in 1948, Israel became a nation, but she's not acquired all of that property. But God's going to see to it that there's coming a day when Israel's going to have everything and the headquarters of this world is going to be the nation of Israel and the city of Jerusalem. Somebody say amen. I'm talking about God said he promises them that they're going to repossess this land. He's going to rescue them back in that land and then he promises them they're going to rule over that land. As he said in verse 21, and Savior shall come up on Mount Zion to judge the Mount of Esau and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. Amen. Now I don't know about you, but I'm not a Jew tonight, but that excites me. Amen. It excites me because I love the nation of Israel. It excites me because I know that there is coming a day, thank God, uh, when this world is going to be run and the government's going to be on his shoulders talking about Christ uh, and thank God the Jew uh, will no longer be looked down upon and we the church of God, the bride of Christ, uh, will enjoy the blessings of God when the curse is lifted off this earth. You know why? Because God will fulfill that faithful promise that he has made unto them. Amen. Now in verse number 17, notice this tonight. What did he promise them? He tells us what this promise consists of. He tells us in verse number 17 that it consists of safety. Notice he said, but upon Mount Zion, watch this, shall be deliverance. Amen. I'll tell you something. God's been delivering man ever since the Garden of Eden. Amen. And he's never lost anybody. Anybody that ever wanted to be delivered, anybody that ever wanted to be brought into safety, it didn't didn't matter how far down the barrel they got. It didn't matter what their resources was. It didn't matter how many enemies they had. It didn't matter how many arsenals had turned against them. It didn't matter how much it looked like hell was a winning. I'm telling you, God will wade through hell. He'll walk through high water. He'll push mountains out of the way. He'll walk, he'll cross rivers and he'll walk through valleys. Amen. Just to rescue one of his children and bring them back to safety. Amen. And God said, hang on Israel. There's coming a day when there's going to be deliverance and it's coming out of Mount Zion. Amen. You say, how's that going to happen? Preacher, I'll tell you how. When he comes back, the Bible said that Jesus is going to put his feet on the Mount of Olives. Amen. And thank God there's going to, that mountain's going to split from east to west uh, and there's going to be a river run down through that mountain and it's going to flow through Jerusalem and it's going to flow, my friend, out into the desert and the Bible says there's going to be streams in the desert and the desert's going to blossom like a rose uh, and the word of God says uh, it's going to empty in the Dead Sea and thank God there's going to be safety as the Lord said there shall not be hurt in all of my holy mountain. Amen. Won't that be wonderful? Man, that makes me want to preach tonight. 
Even on a Sunday night, that fires me up because when I think about that, the ox is going to eat straw. It's going to lay down by uh, the lamb, amen, and it's going to eat straw, and the lion and the leopard's going to lay down together, and the Bible said children are going to play in the streets uh, and run their hand down in the concrete den. Uh, I'm telling you, friend, uh, there's going to be safety like the world has never seen before, amen. Now, you want to talk about border control, you wait till Jesus comes back, amen. He's going to have border control from one end of this earth to the other. Amen. You want to talk about national security? What about worldwide security? Amen. I'm telling you, friend, there's going to be bells of holiness on the feet of horses. And when Jesus comes back, thank God deliverance is coming out of Mount Zion. And so he promises them safety. But then he promises them sanctity. Amen. Notice what he said in verse number verse number 17. He said, and there shall be holiness. Amen. You ought to underline that. And there shall be holiness. You know what God said? God said you've been an unholy people long enough. He said this world has been unholy long enough. But God said when deliverance comes, thank God sin's going to be put on the run. The devil's going to be on the chain game. And I'll tell you something, Jesus Christ is going to be large and in charge. And friend, there's going to be holiness in every single direction and parameter of this world. Amen. And I'm looking forward to a holy day, aren't you? You know why God, I'm telling you, if you're saved tonight, you love holiness, amen? I don't always live holy, but I want to live holy every day of my life. You say, Brother Gravely, why do you like holiness? I'll tell you why. Because holiness brings contentment, amen? I've never seen an unholy person be discontent, and I, or listen, a holy person be discontent, and I've never seen an unholy person be content, amen? In other words, if you're not trying to live a holy life, you're never gonna be satisfied and content in this world. But if you're striving for holiness, though we're not perfect tonight, but if you're living to be holy, guess what? You can find some contentment in this life. Amen. I don't need silver. I don't need gold. I don't need diamonds and I don't need rubies. Amen. I don't need a mansion on the hillside. I don't need a lot of money in the bank. But I tell you, listen, you can have the world. Just give me Jesus. Amen. I'd rather have him and not have anything else. I'd rather belong to him as to not belong to anything else. I'm telling you, I'd rather be his as have riches untold tonight. It's just wonderful to be saved. It's just wonderful to be a child of God. And friend, it's wonderful to have holiness in your life. Amen. Now, I don't live perfect. I'm not saying that tonight, but I'm striving for it. The Bible said, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That little phrase, come short, means to miss the mark. Amen. And at our best, we miss the mark. At our best, we come up short. But not on this day, friend. There's coming a time when, thank God, there's going to be holiness. Won't it be wonderful not have to, you can go, listen, I don't know if there's going to be grocery stores. I don't know if there'll even be any need for them. Amen. There's going to be a lot of produce. I can tell you that much. There's going to be watermelons the size of I don't know what. Amen. But they're going to be big. Amen. There's going to be grapes like they've never seen before. And so there'll probably be a lot of fruit stands. I don't know what there's going to be. But I want to tell you one thing. Won't it be wonderful to go through and pick your groceries out and not have to see all the filth you see standing on the magazine racks and everywhere else. Won't it be wonderful to walk down the streets with your children and go someplace and not have to worry about all the sin on every corner. I'm talking about, friend, that's what it's going to be like. They's going to be singing when Jesus comes back. But it's not going to be the country songs. It's not going to be the rock music. Amen. It's not going to be all the 
the contemporary mess, but there's going to be some holy singing about a holy God and with holy people. Amen. I'm telling you, friend, there's going to be sanctity when he comes. Amen. And so he promises safety. He promises sanctity. But also in verse number 11 or verse number 17, he promises sufficiency. Amen. Notice what he said in verse 17. And the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. Now this is a great part of this verse tonight. In fact, if this don't make you shout, you need to go. Your shout is broke. I'm just going to tell you tonight. God said that when he comes back, there's going to be safety. There's going to be sanctity. But there's going to be sufficiency. You say, what do you mean sufficiency, preacher? He's telling the nation of Israel that when Jesus comes back and he steps on that holy mountain for the first time in all of their history, they're going to possess all of their possession. Not some of it, not part of it, but they're going to possess all of it. See if you can get this in your mind tonight. Here's what we're saying. God is going to be faithful to fulfill his promise because there's been a problem in the Old Testament. There was a problem in the New Testament and the same problem still consists today. You know what that problem is? It's the problem that God, when he called Abraham out, he made a covenant with Abraham and he promised him that everywhere the sole of your foot shall trod, he said, I'm going to give it to you. And he said, your seed is going to be as the sands of the sea and as the stars that are in heaven. And friend, God did exactly what he said he would do. But you know, in the Old Testament, when Moses led them across, the, uh, my friend, the Red Sea and over into the wilderness, because of unbelief and sin they did not claim all that God had promised them and then when they went into the land of Canaan and Joshua let them in and they fought the battles and won the victory they spared some of those cities they spared some of those men and listen my friend they did not claim all the possession that God had given them and that's been the problem down through the ages Israel has been up and down she's been unfaithful at times she will serve God and then she would turn her back from him. Isn't that right? I mean if you just want to look at it like this uh, from the beginning until now that nation has made a mess of everything and God said hey I know you ought to possess all of it but you've not. You've not claimed everything that I've given you but God said you just hang on. There's coming a time when deliverance is going to come and when deliverance comes there's going to be holiness. Amen. And God said when holiness comes uh, he said I'm not just going to give you some of it I'm going to give you all of it back. Amen. You see, that's a blessing tonight. Because Israel's never going to fulfill the promise that God gave them when they could tonight. They could claim it all, but they're going to live below their privileges. But there's coming a day when God's going to fix what they didn't. Do you understand tonight that when you start reading Genesis... And you start reading through that Bible, God is headed to one end, friend. I mean, you can go down through the Old Testament and you can go through the Pentateuch and you can go through the uh, poetic books and you can go through the historical books uh, and listen, you can go down through the major and the minor prophets and the gospels and the church epistles uh, and you can go through them, the uh, uh, Judean epistles and all the way down to the book of Revelation and through the end of time, uh, you can bypass and go through or you can go by Calvary and you can go through everything that we can read about. But I'll tell you something in the beginning, it wasn't God, uh, it wasn't Satan against man. I'm gonna tell you 
you something in Genesis 3, it was God versus the devil, amen? And man was just the battleground between those two forces, friend. When the devil stepped in the garden that day and he called Eve to sin, he wasn't trying just to send her to hell. He was trying to get back at God because God kicked him out of heaven, friend. Now I'm gonna tell you something, you're not gonna take God by surprise. God knew what happened before the devil ever had a plan. And my friend, when God stepped in the garden of Eden, I'm telling you, before he ever said anything to Adam, before he ever said anything to Eve, you know what he did? He looked the devil right between his eyes and he waged war on him, amen? And the battle's been on ever since Genesis 3. But it's coming to an end one day, friend. Jesus is coming back and we're all headed toward one big battle. But I'm telling you, listen, God is gonna defeat the devil and God is gonna destroy him. And thank God, he's there's gonna be sufficiency. And when he destroys the devil, he's gonna turn and he's gonna give Israel all of their land back, amen? God said what you, could, what you could have done, but you never did do. God said, I'm going to fix it in the end. You say, well, preacher, what does that got to do with me? Everything. Because do you realize tonight that we're saved? We're just like the nation of Israel. We're up and down. We're unfaithful sometimes. We never claim all the promises that God has given us. Same problem they had is the same problem we have, sin and unbelief. Had they not allowed sin in their life and would they have just chose to believe God, they could have crossed the Jordan and destroyed all them nations and God would have gave them everything, just like he said. But they didn't do that. And a lot of times we have just as many promises as they do. You know what we do? We go out these doors and we live our life and sin and unbelief. It's a daily battle. Am I telling the truth tonight? And tonight I come up short. You do too. It's kind of like I read a story. I don't use a lot of illustrations, but when I read this story, I thought, man, that fits. I'm going to use that. But I read a story of an illustration about a farmer and her son that had some property. And they lived on this land. And for years they, they, they worked this land. And, and the land was very poor. It never did bring any real uh, good, good crops. And, and they just, just could get just enough out of this property as far as uh, uh, food, substance, to, uh, and crops, just enough to get by. They lived a very poor life uh, because it said the, the land just wouldn't yield the, the fruit and the vegetables. And so they worked it and worked it. And the harder they worked it, it just seemed like it would never do nothing. One day the father died. And the story says that when the father died, that the son took and he went to a land buyer and he told him, he said, I want to sell you my father's property. He said, I want to sell it to you real cheap. He said, I, I just want to get rid of it and just get a little bit. And the land buyer said, well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, said, why would you want to sell it so cheap? He said, well, it's just not worth anything to a farmer. It just doesn't uh, produce anything much. And so I figured I might as well get some as to spend the rest of my days just struggling and just trying to get by. And so he sold it to the land buyer and when the land buyer bought the property he went down there and he dug a little bit deeper and when he dug a little bit deeper you know what happened he hit oil amen and I want to tell you something he struck it big the story says and he struck that oil so big and he became a very wealthy man now the truth of that story is this is the farmer and the son were wealthy all the days of their life they just didn't know it amen they were wealthy people but because they didn't possess all of their possession they just scratched 
the surface, amen? Had they dug a little bit deeper, guess what? The rest of that story would have been different, but they didn't possess all of their possession. I want to tell you something, friend, that's the same way it is in the Christian life. A lot of times, uh, people go to church uh, and they just scratch the surface in serving God. They never really dig down a little bit deeper. Hey, if you're going to have any victory, you're going to have to learn how to possess uh, all of the possession that God has given you to have victory in this life. Amen. God's give us everything to overcome the devil. Greater is he that's in you than he's in the church or in this world. I'm talking about you've got you've got my friend the Holy Spirit on the inside. You've got the word of God. You've got the church. You've got the saints, the brethren. I'm telling you, God has given us what we need to put. All we need to do is claim the possession. Amen. You see, I believe there's people, they come to the altar. I believe they repent. And I think, I believe with all my heart, they mean business with God. Let me ask you a question. Why is it we see so many people? Now, I'm not talking about the ones that are playing. I'm talking about the ones that are sincere. Why is it so many people come to the altar, truly repent and get right with God? but they go right back to the same mess they was in. And they were sincere. You say, Brother Gravely, why, why is that? I'm going to tell you why it is. Repentance is just the beginning of having victory in your life. That's why when you come to the altar and you get right with God, you get up and you feel better, don't you? Because you meant business with God and repentance brings victory. But that's just the beginning. If you go home and you watch... 160 hours of television. Y'all with me? If you go home and you, you, you just sit around and do nothing, if you go back and do the same things that you was doing over and over again, listen, friend, you're going to be back in the same mess. Isn't that right? You know what insanity is? It's doing the same thing over and over and over again, but expecting different results every time you do it. That's insanity, isn't it? And you know that's the way a lot of people are in their Christian life? They'll run to an altar and thank God. They'll repent, thank God for that. But when they get up, they don't do anything else. And then they wonder why I slipped back in the, did I really get right with God? Well, I'm sure you did if you were sincere. But I want to tell you something. Once you repent, here's what you need to do. You need to put your nose in that book. You need to read the Bible every day of your life. You need to have a personal prayer time. You need to be faithful to the house of God. You need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. These are things that you do. And if you'll keep doing that, guess what? You can possess the possession. Them people you see coming to church with victory and shouting, it seems like they just keep on going for God. You know why that is? Uh, they don't have some special wand to serving God. You know what they're doing? They're just possessing their possession. They're just reading that book because it's been given to them. They're just using that throne room because it's been given to them. They're just walking in the spirit because he's there and he wants to walk. I'm saying this, this evening, my friend, that many of us fail to claim the possessions God has given us. But God's going to be faithful. And what he tells them in these verses tonight, listen to this, he tells them that he'll be faithful not to forget his people. He says in verse number 18, he talks about the house of Jacob and the house of Joseph. Even after all these years of Joseph being gone and Jacob being gone, though they had been forgotten by many, they had not been forgotten by God. I want to tell you, God will not forget you tonight. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah 49 and verse number 15, can a woman forget her sucking child? 
that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb. Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. God said a woman may forget her child that's not been weaned, but God said, I'll not forget you. I want to tell you something. God don't forget his people tonight. It may look like he's not doing anything. You may be going through something tonight and say, well, preacher, it just seems like nothing's ever going to change. Well, like the old songwriter said, just hold on a little longer because help is on the way. Amen. A brighter day is coming for those who believe and pray. I'm telling you, if you'll just hang on, if you'll just pray on, if you'll just walk on, if you'll just sing on, if you'll just preach on, if you'll just stay with God, I'm telling you, friend, God will not forget you. The sun will shine again. God will step down in your valley and be the lily of your valley and you say how do you know that because he's never he's never no he's never forgotten one of his children tonight David said never have I seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread do you realize tonight I don't know how long some people have been saved but we've all been saved different different amounts of time brother Charles said in the prayer room we've been saved 59 years isn't that a blessing tonight? And in 59 years, God's taken care of you, hasn't he? He's never let you go hungry. He's never let, he's paid every single bill. He's kept your health when it looked like there wasn't no way that it would be maintained. But God has been your health and he's been your strength. Nothing wrong with taking medication. I think if you need to, you should. Amen. But I want to tell you something. When the pills stop working, that doesn't mean God has. Amen. I'm telling you, when you can't afford their doctor, Dr. Jesus can still step in. Amen. And when they give you a bad report and say there's no home, don't count them out yet because God's still on the throne as a choir sung this morning and God will not forget you. Amen. You may be here tonight and have buried your best friend, but you can rest assured when you pillow your head tonight, there's a God sitting in heaven. He knows your name. He knows your address. He knows, listen, your social security number. He knows the hairs that's on your head. He knows every time your heart is beat. He knows every breath you've ever taken. He knows every thought that's ever run through your mind. He knows every cell in your body. He knows every fiber of your being. He knows every fear. He knows every worry. He knows every heartache. He's seen every tear that's ever fallen from your eyes. He's heard every prayer. He's heard every burden. He's watched you day in and day out. He's followed you up and down the roads. He's been with you in the hardest of times. I'm talking about a God that you're always He's on his mind. I'm talking about a God, Brother David. He cannot forget you, for he's always thinking about you. When I've not thought about him, he's never stopped thinking about me. When I've not prayed to him, he's still prayed for me. When I've not looked up to him, thank God he's still looking down on me. I'm telling you, when I've been asleep, he's still sitting awake. You know why? Because he will not forget his children. Amen. Hallelujah to God. I just want to stop and say thank you, Lord. I'm telling you, I just want to thank you, Jesus. Thank you for never forgetting me. Thank you for always being faithful. Thank you for never letting me down. Thank you for holding my hands up. Thank you for walking with me. Thank you for talking with me. Thank you for always being there when I needed you. Amen. Thank you for every lonely night. You stood there in the shadows and in the silence. And held hell back. I'm telling you, when we get to heaven, we may have to spend a million years thanking him for all the things we didn't see. Thanking him for all the times we didn't know about. 
Thank you for every time the devil was just sitting ready somewhere and had a snare plan and had a plot and had some demons and some imps ready to pull you down and ready to take you under. But standing between me and him was thank God my big brother who stepped down right in the middle of everything and say, oh no, you cannot touch him. You cannot touch her. They may be struggling. They may look like they're going down, but they're not going to go out because underneath are the everlasting arms of God tonight. I'm glad that when we fail, he never fails, amen. He cannot fail. I made promises to God and I wished I could have kept them, but I failed in promises. Have you ever failed in making a promise to God? But he's never failed because God will not forget his people. Then I want to say God will not forget his promise. Seven times in these verses, God uses the word possess. You know why? Because he's reminding Israel, that land's yours. He starts in verse 17 and all the way down to verse number 20, you can circle it, the word possess and possession seven times. You know what seven is in the Bible? It's a number of completion, isn't it? I don't think that's an accident tonight. That God... Through the, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Obadiah wrote it down seven times. Possess. You know what possess means? It means ownership. Hey man, you know that old redneck saying that ownership is, uh, or possession is 90% of the law. I kind of believe that, don't you? Do you know what? It looks like the devil is possessing a whole lot today, don't it? It looks like the devil is, is owning this world. In fact, he's called the God of this world, little G. Isn't that right? But I want to tell you something tonight, faithful. He will be the fulfillment of his promise because when Jesus comes back, he's gonna show us that the devil is nothing more than the booger man. Somebody say amen. How you remember when you remember the booger man when you was little? I've seen a few kids. I nicknamed them the booger man because that's the way they act. But you remember when you was little, you was always afraid of the booger man, wasn't you? I mean, you'd get in the bed at night and your mama tell you to cut that light out, and I'm telling you, you'd stand there with one finger on the on the switch and another, and you'd be turned in this direction. And as soon as you'd hit that light, you'd run dive under the covers, amen, because you're afraid of the booger man. Don't you look so sanctified, amen? Like you ain't never been scared of a booger man. Uh, but I'm telling you, listen, you'd be scared to death in that dark and pull that cover over your head uh, but you know what the reality is about the booger man though he may look big and he may look bad the only problem is he can't touch you amen he can't hurt you amen now I'll tell you something one day Jesus is coming back uh, and he's going to put the booger man on the run amen uh, thank God when he comes uh, I'm telling you the devil's nothing more than a defeated foe tonight and he may roar and he may breathe uh, but free listen the bottom line is he cannot touch you without the permission of God. Amen. And God's going to be faithful. Has the devil ever lied to you? If he's ever talked to you, I promise you he's lied to you. I was coming down the road the other day and he told me something, Brother Payne. I just said it out loud. There wasn't nobody in the car. I said, you're a liar. Amen. That's what I told him. I said, you're a liar. 
I'm telling you, he's got a way of taking a little bitty tiny speck in your life and magnifying it and making that thing look so big, look so massive to the point you can't see God and you can't see nothing. And it looks like you're just going to go under. But the reality is every bit of your sorrows, every bit of our problems, you know where they're at tonight? They're in the hand of an all-seeing and an all-knowing and an all-powerful God. Though he may have your problems in one hand, he has got a whole lot of promises in another hand. I'm going to tell you, there's coming a day when God's going to curse every problem with every promise that he has ever given us. Oh, bless his name. Oh, hallelujah tonight. I say thank the Lord. I say glory to God. I say praise Jesus tonight. He is faithful. Hallelujah. I don't know how many promises are in that book. Somebody numbered them. I don't know how many promises are in there, but I promise you about them promises tonight. God will keep every single one of them. After I got saved, I'd go hear one preacher preach and I'd believe, boy, I'm saved. I mean, he'd preach and I'd think, man, I I feel good I'm saved. Then I'd go hear another preacher preach and I'd think, well, I don't know if I am saved. Because the way he talked, wasn't nobody saved but him. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm telling you, listen, I remember I went to the altar one day trying to get it settled. I got in the altar and got down there praying. There's a whole bunch of, I mean, a whole bunch of young men piled around me down there. I was at Faith Baptist Camp and I was praying. There's a bunch of teenage boys around me. I hadn't been saved but six months. I just didn't, I couldn't get it all settled, you know? I mean, I'd hear one guy preach and I'd think, well, I, I just don't know. I'd hear another guy preach, so I feel pretty good about that. I got down there one night or one afternoon, I down there on my knees praying and I'll tell you something, there's a bunch of young boys got around me. I don't even know if they were saved. They sure couldn't tell somebody how to get saved. I can tell you that much. Uh, one was saying, hang on. Another one was saying, let go. You know, uh, another one was saying, get in. Uh, and another one was saying, get out. Uh, I'll tell you, I don't know what they said, uh, but I know through all that mess, uh, I cried, Lord, help me. Uh, oh, God, I want you to settle in my soul. Uh, I'm telling you tonight, uh, I don't know what all God did do. Uh, but Brother Charles, I know this much. Uh, he dropped some promises down in my heart, uh, and I've been clinging to them for 28 years. Uh, and they're still holding tonight. I'm saying God will not forget his promise. Amen. I was reading my Bible one day and I come across that verse that said, if I can remember the verse, it's in 1 Timothy. Oh, Paul said this. He said, for I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul said this. I left the most important part of the verse off. He said, I know whom I have believed in. Hallelujah. Brother Laddie, when I read that verse, the Holy Ghost whispered to me and said, do you know whom you've believed in? I said, without a doubt. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I don't always know the when and the where. Sometimes that's a little bit iffy. But I do know the whom. Amen. And he's going to keep that which I've committed unto him against that great judgment day. Hey, friend, I'm just telling you, God will not forget his people and God will not forget his promise tonight. Amen. Then I want to say this and I'm done. I'm glad Miss Gloria gave me a whole pouch of... uh, Werther Originals coffee, amen? I got to drive 11 hours tonight, so I'm going to suck the whole bag, amen? 
And I've seen you get them, so I know right where they're at, right here. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you know what? God won't forget His purpose. 21 verses in that book, and it all comes down to the last phrase. I want you to note that last phrase tonight, and I'll be done. This is God's purpose. And the kingdom shall be the Lord's. You know what the purpose of God is? Is that Israel would have a king. Israel always wanted a king, didn't they? So they made Saul their king. That was never the will of God. God said, you don't need a king. He said, I, God said, Let, I'll be your king. And Israel wanted to be like all the other nations. So they wanted, you know, said, well, why wouldn't God want Israel to have a king? Because God didn't want anybody else to have their allegiance to their heart but Him. God wanted them to live by faith and walk by faith and trust Him to take care of them. God wanted to take the fewest of all people, the, most, the smallest nation, and God wanted to build a kingdom with His Son that would be, bring glory and honor to this world to prove to the world and to prove to the devil that Jesus is the one that always has been in charge and always will be in charge. The kingdom is the Lord's. Now I want to tell you where that fits our life tonight. God's going to be faithful to keep His promise to Israel when Jesus walks through that eastern gate and sits, walks through that city and sits on the throne of David. He's going to prove to that nation, the Bible said that a nation will be born in a day when they see the Messiah coming. They'll cry, Baha Mashiach, which means come over Jehovah. And he'll walk through that city and he'll sit down on that throne and Israel will know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And he'll rule for a thousand years and he'll be their king. The same thing's true for us tonight. You know what God wants us to do? He wants us to surrender all. He wants to be king tonight. He don't want a part of your heart or a part of your life. He wants to be king of the throne of your heart. He wants to be in charge. There's never no full victory in living for God until you've dethroned self and you've put Christ in His rightful place. And when Christ is in His rightful place... You'll sing, not for the people, not for the preacher, not for anybody else. It's for Christ and Him alone. Hey, preachers, you'll preach not to get a pat on the back, not even to see results, but you'll preach for Him and Him alone. That's what this whole thing's about. It's not about this church. It's not about your pastor. It's not about you. It's not even about your loved ones around you. This is individual tonight. Jesus wants to reign in your life. And if you're ever going to really have full victory, you're going to have to let Him reign. You want to have victory in your life? Surrender to Christ. Let God have His will. Let Him have His way, and He'll bless you for that tonight. I'll say this, and, and I'll be through tonight. As best as we try, we fail. But there's coming a day. Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, there's come a day when this mortal is going to put on immortality. Won't that be a blessing? Brother Laddie, won't it be good when you can just drop that old robe of flesh? No more immortality. Or no mortality. The corruptible, Paul said, is going to put on incorruption. Won't that be wonderful? No bad thoughts. 
No stubborn will. No giving in to sin. No, 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 no fighting the flesh. Won't that be wonderful? You want to tell you, God is going to eradicate the flesh. And if a man lives to be a hundred and he gets saved when he's a young man and he battles the flesh all through his life, he'll battle it all through his life. And when he comes to the end of the journey and he draws his last breath, at his best, Brother David, he's still come up short, hadn't he? And he'll take that final breath in a robe of flesh that has failed. But I want to tell you something, his next breath. In his next breath, Brother David, God fixed everything in one breath that he couldn't fix in a lifetime. All the battle, all the fighting, everything you ever went through, every, every day the devil ever got you, every time you ever disappointed him, every time you ever let him down, every time you ever come up short, every time you, you trip after trip to the altar and on your knees over and over and over and over again, faithful and unfaithful, up and down, in and out, all the mess you've made alive. In one breath, God's going to give you a new body. Paul said, for we know... That when this earthly house of this tabernacle be dissolved, that's not the end of the story. That's not the end. We have a building of God. A house. Not made with hands. So where's that house at? It's eternal. And it's in the heavens tonight. Somewhere's I got a house. I got a tabernacle. And Brother Will, one breath and all my battles and struggles are over with. It's going to be gone. Won't that be wonderful? Faithful. The fulfillment of a faithful promise. He's going to do it in the end as we stand tonight. But until then, I want to be faithful. At my best, I want to serve. If you need to come tonight, would you come? I want to possess all. I want to possess all God has promised. I don't want to live a half-hearted Christian life. I don't want to live in defeat. I tell you, I want to walk in joy and victory. While we sing, what are we going to sing, brother? What page?